Hey everybody, we're here still at CES. <laughs> Jeff is still awake. I'm still awake. You know what? I'm uh, I'm planning on sleeping on the red eye home tonight. Uh, you will. I'll, I'll make bet you it. will. I'm just gonna drink a lot of Starbucks until about three hours before, and then that's my whole plan. Crash. Because crash, and I will embrace the crash. Like I will intentionally give myself the crash. That sounds like Jeff embracing crashes. I yeah, like it. it's like somebody will offer me a five-hour energy, and I'll be like, no. I do not well, want I that. hope you're not on the middle seat like I am tonight, because that's like, there's no sleep guaranteed. Sure, well, that's well, horrible. Sure, there could be sleep if you like to hug random strangers. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or, you, yeah. you ever done the thing where, like, I know we'll get to serious topics in a second, but do you ever do the thing where, like, if you know you're in the middle seat and you want to sleep, like, you just, like, not in a weird way, I, I get where this is going, but, like, you just, like, you have a conversation in those first ten minutes before the plane goes off, you're, like, just feeling out, or like, if I accidentally fell asleep on this person, <laughs> not that I'm trying to, but if I did, would it be okay? <laughs> well, we were talking over lunch, like, what's the middle middle seat, like, etiquette these days? Like, do you get the arm arm seat, do you not? Like, what's the... Oh, do you know? get the armrest? Yeah. Yeah, I, boy. Just um, be I think convincing. You get, take I think, it. Just take it? Yes. If you're middle seat, I think the etiquette is you can take it because you're the middle seat. And they've got options and, and everything else because the person on the aisle controls, like, who gets the beverages and those little crackers. Like, that's their job. I'm like, that's... See, like, they have to get, like, they constantly get bumped into. But they get to control that situation. So that's on them. Window seat, obviously, you got the benefit of... Everything. You, but, but the window seat isn't gravy because you also have everybody looking at you when the plane's about to land because they're like, well, are we touching down yet? Ooh, can I snap a picture? Ooh, can you take my phone and Drool's take a picture? Drool's coming down your mouth. <laughs> like, yeah. There's a lot of things that can actually go wrong with that situation. So, But as a middle seat, I say just take it. So, Shord, we're jumping into some really interesting, deep conversations, as you can see. Uh, we're here, everybody, with Shord Gehring, who's the Global VP of Talent Acquisition for Johnson & Johnson, one of one of the great companies that we have here in this world. Thank you. T tell us a little bit, Shord, about what, what are you doing at CES? Well, you know what, like, um, so talent is the most important thing for J&J. Um, and so we are, you know, first and foremost, a digital health company. And so being out here at CES to understand what's going on um, from a tech from a tech perspective is tech perspective is important. But we're always recruiting, we're always hiring. You know, we we filled close to twenty eight thousand roles last year for J and J across the world. And so we are looking for the best people to join the company. That's awesome. So we've been talking quite a bit, short about the idea of being an experience driven business. When you hear those words, we talk about it a lot at Adobe, what does it mean to you to be an experience-driven business? Well, an experience-driven business for me means primarily that you understand at a very deep level what your end user is looking for. So when I start to think about recruiting, for example, like recru that's the reason I joined J&J. &J. Like if you think about recruiting, recruiting hasn't been disrupted in the last 30 or 40 years. Right? The lack of transparency in the hiring process, um, resumes, job descriptions, um, unpersonalized careers websites. And so where we start from a recruiting perspective at J&J &J is to deeply understand the buyer values of candidates around the world. Like what are these people looking for? What makes them um, join an organization, what makes them stay there. And um, so experience for us is all about understanding what people are looking for and designing an experience um, around them um, to make sure that we attract and retain the best people. How does technology play a role in that? 
You know, it plays a huge role. I think every company these days is a technology company. If you don't understand technology, it's really hard to uh, attract and retain talent. And the way we think about technology and recruiting is um, we use um, artificial intelligence when it comes to um, taking gender biases out of job descriptions. We um, heavily use um, AI for um, matching in terms of how do we match people to um, their backgrounds to better opportunities across the company. We think about how do we proactively suggest new opportunities for people to grow and develop their careers inside of J&J. So it's, technology is the name of the game. I mean, very recently we released um, a digital platform called J&J Shine, which actually addresses one of the major pain points for job seekers these days, which is the total lack of transparency. And I think we've all been there. We've all found this, you know, this great job online, whether it's on LinkedIn or a company career website, you apply to a job and then guess what? You never hear back. And, and so J&J Shine, but J&J Shine does is it proactively shows what the end-to-end hiring process looks like at the company. It allows you to figure out how long it typically takes to move from one step to the next. And then more importantly, it allows you to track your job application end-to-end throughout the hiring process. So, you know, just like you would track your Domino's speeds on a Friday night, you can now track your job, um, your job application. Wow, that's pretty revolutionary, right? N- not a lot of companies doing it. No, J&J is one of the first companies doing it, and it's 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 and, and that's why you go back to experience-driven businesses. It's it's understanding what job seekers in our instance are looking for, and they're looking for more transparency. Um, and that's what J&J Shine in many ways delivers. And even if they're not ultimately hired, they've still had a better experience with Excellent. the brand. Absolutely. Um, technology can also open up. I mean, at the end of the day, your job is to find the best, most qualified, most talented people in the world. Now, technology opens up so that you can not necessarily be tied to a physical location. So how does technology play a role in maybe changing how the corporate culture and physical location looks down the road? We think, I mean, one of the other things I'm responsible for at J&J is the employee experience. I know Adobe is very big on employee experience, so is J&J. And so we constantly think about the workplace of the future. How do we enable our employees to work in a much more flexible way and contribute um, to um, to the organization? So technology plays a major role in that. I think from a recruiting perspective, like we're constantly looking at how can we take a more targeted approach to make an employee experience more relevant for the individual because their drivers are very different. Super interesting. So let's put you in the role of a consultant. If you were talking, I don't care if it's small, medium, large, massive corporation. If people are trying to become experience driven, where do you tell them to start? By listening, um, by listening first and foremost, and so I think that's certainly what we what we've done at J and J is like we started to do not just do you know focus groups and qualitative research, but we actually did deep ethnographic research on the types of candidates that we have around the world and what their buyer values are towards an organization like J and J. And so when you start to think about how do you train your recruiters, how do you develop you know more interesting message maps to appeal to um, to job seekers, how can you personalize careers websites, how might you change job descriptions? to be much more relevant um, for these different types of you know different types of candidates that we that we deal with every single day so it's listening first and foremost I think that will really lead into more experience driven businesses so how much short um, 
knowing that you guys do quite a bit with analytics, how much does analytics play a role in, in what you've built with Shine and what you do to listen on a continual basis? Well, I mean, to your point, I mean, analytics is listening on a continuous basis and then refining it over time. So analytics plays a major role across the board for recruiting in general, right? If you start to think about J&J filled roughly 28,000 positions for the company last year, we got a million applications um, for our jobs a year. And so when you start to think about analytics, right, in, in terms of how do you drive that number down to 28,000? How do you make sure that you select the right talent for the right role um, um, in the right part of our business? You can't do that without analytics. And so bringing that into the hiring funnel for hiring managers, for recruiters to really look at, you know, are the ratios making sense? Are we dropping the ball somewhere? Is our recruiting funnel optimized? That's a, that's where analytics play a major role for us. And I would assume that can also play a role in retention and defining a career track for people inside the company through AI. Absolutely, through AI and also through analytics. I mean, we're constantly trying to show people more interesting, more innovative, more creative career paths by making it more more human and more personal. It's like, what we found is that people actually relate more to other people, not surprisingly. So sometimes you ask, like, do you know what you wanna, you know, what, what your next target job is? A lot of people struggle with that. What people do, um, um, you know, resonate with is, I, I kind of want to be like Jeff. And so Jeff more holistically, the work-life balance Jeff might have, the way he's out there externally, the, may, the, the way he might, you know, uh, behave um, kind of within a certain situation. So it's a little bit less job specific and a little bit more human to human, which is actually very interesting. I agree with all that. This is my favorite 30 seconds of all the podcasts, <laughs> by far. It, it sounds Personali- like I want to be like Jeff. Yeah, 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 no, but personalization is important. Personalization is part of experience. Personalization by listening and understanding what people, you know, think, feel, want to do, it creates an experience there. You just exactly. created an experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, when, when we talk about that word personalization, Tell us how it applies to what you're doing in, in trying to find and, and keep the right talent. You know, personalization is such an interesting term for me because it's like, um, I think people have this this sense of almost fake personalization and everyone kind of, you know, gets right through that. And so I think the mistake that companies have made in the past is around, you know, dear first name doesn't mean personalization. <laughs> right? And so yes. when you start to think about recruiting, recruiting is all about outreach and is all about outreach at the right time. So if we reach out to, you know, really interesting people that we might find on LinkedIn and we never get a response from them, then, you know, regardless of, you know, I use your first name, it didn't mean that it was personalized or relevant for for an individual. So a lot of recruiting is about timing, a lot of recruiting is about research, and if I make an outreach extremely personalized based on your background, your experience, your aspiration, that's how I can be relevant as a company. And so when you start to think about, you know, the J&J Shine platform that we, out, that we rolled out recently, um, you start to think again about like the number of people that we say no to for jobs. Um, the way we provide feedback and what we share with them in terms of why they didn't make it into a specific job is actually the most interesting part of personalization. People don't care about, you know, whether or not we used our first name or, um, or anything else. It's about if you, um, if I invest time in speaking to J&J about a specific job and for whatever reason it might not work out you know for the company to actually take the time and to share a little bit more personal feedback about why you didn't get the job that's the most important part of personalization that people care about is that happening I mean you think of the 28,000 you hired and yep. about the a million that 
are you giving feedback to the majority of those people? We're giving feedback to the majority of people, um, not always at an extremely detailed level, because there's all kinds of um, um, kind of things holding us back from that, and, and it's sure. you know it's extremely time intensive as you game, can yeah. um, as you can imagine. But yes, we are trying to give as much feedback as we can because we feel that hey, you know what, in this economy where everyone is super connected, um, if it doesn't work out today, it might work out six months from now, it might work out six years from now, and at the end of the day, the the, the future success of the company is highly dependent on the ability for us to attract the right people. Um, today, tomorrow, four years from now, and so that relationship is key for us. So you can, you know, yeah, it's a volume game, but if you could get it down to be like, hey, Jeff, you used the word synergy eight times in a paragraph. That might be the reason you didn't get the job. That would be great feedback. Right. I think people are always looking to learn from experiences. Right? Yeah. And so I think everyone is so eager to figure out, like, what can I do better next time? around like what should I or what skills should I develop more what you know how should I grow in order to actually get into my target job and I think that's another area where technology can play a major role is actually the ability to show you if you're here and you want to go somewhere else what's that what's that delta that you need to bridge and how can a company actually point you to different directions to develop those skills or to connect with different people so you can go into that target job and I think the company that can figure that out is going to be an is going to to be massively successful attracting uh, talent longer term. So short, I love where we went with, with analytics and listening. So if we're saying that first step, the first thing you need to do is listen to your customers. Make sure you're analyzing so that you know what's really happening. What's step two? Where do you go from there? Well, I think it's... Um, I think it's doing something with it. I think a lot of the analytics reports that I have seen in the past just are you know, great reports. They look, they look very pretty. Um, we've all gotten very good at data um, visualization, but making it actionable and then staying with it and operationalizing it is something completely different. And I think that's why I love being in recruiting because you know, it's a volume game, Jeff, to your earlier point, and the volume is so significant, and every small tweak in our funnel, the way we optimize our recruiting funnel for the company, um, it's very, very actionable, and you see that change almost instantaneously. And so the actionability of it, the uh, how, do you, how you operationalize those analytics, I think that's, um, that's step number two. Here's a specific recruiting question. Where do you fall on the spectrum of um, you know, perfect world, you'd make the job application process the easiest thing. It'd look like something like Betterment or Wealthfront, and you'd just click a couple buttons and boom, you'd find the person. Or do you make it as difficult, not necessarily like a pain, but as difficult as possible to make sure you know that person would want to take the steps necessary to be employed? Like, where do you fall on that spectrum? You know, you're not going to like the answer, but it depends. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that companies are making right now is they're looking at recruiting as a one-size-fits-all solution. Yeah. So it, everything either has to be super easy or very, very hard, or somewhere in between consistently. Like when you recruit for, you know, deep R&D scientists focused on, 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 on oncology, that application process, that recruiting process for the company needs to look very different than um, a digital marketing who just mm -hmm. came out of school. And so we're, we're, we're moving our approach to recruiting from a one-size-fits-all approach to a much more segmented, targeted, um, fit-for-purpose approach where, Excellent. you know, the application process, the assessment process, the way we communicate and engage, engage with candidates across the recruiting funnel um, is very, very tailored. 
do you use a one specific site and then just kind of narrow down focus based on what job they're applying for then or do you you know actually different the, kind the, of the majority US. of our applicants right now are actually coming through our current employee base so employer okay. referral program is um, is a huge source of talent for the Makes company sense. we use a ton of social media as you would imagine the careers website continues to um, to um, yield um, a lot of candidates but employer referrals is by far the most qualitative source of talent for J&J for for more media marketing that kind of uh, job set or that skill set, does a digital footprint work just as well or better than a resume? It works better, I would say. Yeah. I mean, these days, I mean, we're seeing people, like my advice to candidates always is, forget the tr traditional resume, but pivot to a much more creative portfolio of your work. I think the more you can show what you've done, what the results have been, what role you've played in that particular project, give us some examples. I mean, those digital portfolios that like um, designers often come with, that's the future resume in my mind. It's all about proof points. It's all about learning agility. It's all about showing what you've been able to um, to add um, yeah. to um, to a company. At the end of the day, you want to see tangible results, Absolutely. ideally, rather than just things people said. Um, Short just told you that you don't have to Google what a cover letter is. I'm just going to paraphrase. <laughs> don't, don't. Forget the cover letter. Oh. Forget the cover letter. Forget the cover. Oh, this is like in PR when I get to say forget the press release, and it feels <laughs> so liberating. Um, but yeah, nobody wants to Google a cover letter. That was one of the worst times of my entire life. I actually, like, I remember before I started a business seven or eight years ago, you know, going through those those forms and filling stuff out and understanding that there, there can be a burnout to that, too. So, you know, how do you kind of, how do you keep candidates engaged with you, re-engaged with you? I think it's all about storytelling. And so I think when you start to think about why people join J&J, &J, it's people who want to make a very tangible difference on the world of healthcare. We're the largest healthcare company in the world, the most diverse healthcare company in the world. J&J products touch over a billion people every single day. And so when I ask some of my recruiters sometimes, you know, why do you work for J&J? &J? Why do you stay with J&J? &J? It's, you know, recruiters who want to find the next scientists who are going to make a very big dent on curing a specific disease. Right? There is so much on Met medical or unmet um, medical needs around the world that the company addresses um, and that's why people join the company and so I think the engagement around that around our ability to tell stories about the patients that we impact around the world the ability for us to move the healthcare space into a different more technology driven digital perspective um, becomes critically important for us to be able to attract that talent Wow! so talk me through Shord um, I love the story that you told earlier about about data. Basically, data is only as good as what you do with it. So we've gathered the data, we've done something with it. What do we do now? What's the next step? Well, the next step for us is um, is continuing to measure. And I think a lot of the the, the times that you um, you listen, um, you learn, you do something about it, and then you move on to the next thing. And so staying with it, um, making sure that you're seeing the trends, that you're doing something with those trends, and that you're continuing to align that with strategic intent um, is, is really important. And that's what we're focused on. That's awesome. Short, I don't think we have anything else for you. This has been an absolute pleasure to get to know a little bit more of the 28,000 people that were just hired last year. <laughs> I mean, note to self, you better be pretty dang smart if you want to work at Johnson & Johnson. Check out J&J Careers. Do it. Thanks, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me, guys.